It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Today's episode is something I don't think I've ever covered before. So I'm extra excited. Whenever there's something brand new, that novelty really sparks my curiosity and just drives me to feel really excited about recording. And I'm sitting with Jasmine, who I've had the pleasure of chatting with for about 45 minutes already before we started recording. We have so much to explore today. And this conversation is going to center around her experience as a sex worker on OnlyFans, her history of working in the legal field as a lawyer. Well, I actually don't even know yet if you ever fully made it to that. That's something we're going to get to. But she did graduate from law school, has an incredible, impressive academic background, including psychology, and has a personal passion for mental health and specifically focusing on stigma, controversy, supporting women, feminism, body shaming, self-love. I don't know if we're going to get to all of these things, but they will be themes throughout this conversation. And these are things that I'm really passionate about and interested in too. And Jasmine, as I was saying before we started recording, I really would love to begin with hearing your definition of what sex work is And that may be twofold. It could be like a general definition for sex work and then like your personal definition of what that means for you as a sex worker. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited to delve into all these topics. I have always been passionate about psychology. Actually, before I went into law, I either was going to get my PhD in psych or get a Juris Doctor and be a lawyer. So psychology has such a close place in my heart. So I'm really excited to talk about that. Now, sex work, I would say like just the basic definition that I would say is like the umbrella term is anyone who works in the sex industry and makes a profit off that. So this can be many things. And it's kind of like a spectrum. It can go from people who are like working the streets, as we know, or providing in-person sexual services, escorting. It could be dancers, strippers. It could be anyone in the mainstream porn industry. And now I think with the platforms like OnlyFans becoming so popular, it can involve people who do sex work through OnlyFans, which are kind of like almost like it's branded as everyday regular people that want to showcase their sexuality online for a profit. So it's kind of this big umbrella term. And there's actually a little bit of infighting in the community as to are you a real sex worker if all you're doing is you're a barista and then you come home and you take pictures in lingerie and put it online. I would say yes, but it is important to note that the experience of sex workers will be different and you will get pretty much everything under the sun depending on what area of sex work you're in, the dangers associated with that specific area. And even people who do like there are girls on OnlyFans who love it and there are girls on OnlyFans who hate it. So there's no one common experience of a sex worker, but I do think there's a lot of things a lot of us share in common with each other. And that's one of the reasons that I feel like the community of sex workers that you find a lot of times online, because especially when you're doing online sex work, it's not like we go to an office. (laughs) We're all online in different parts of the world, but because it's like, Sometimes it feels like the whole world is against us. So we have like forums and threads and we're always willing to help each other and nobody knows what it's like except for us. So it's been a really great part of this to kind of see that community and focus on growing it and building it. And I'm really grateful that you're talking about this and sharing that with me and the listener today because I have never done sex work. And as I told you earlier, Jasmine, I don't think I know anybody closely, at least, that does sex work. Maybe they do it. I mean, who knows? Like, it's possible there are people in my life that just have never disclosed that to me because it feels like a risky thing as you are really interested in the taboo of it, the controversies, the judgments. 
it's something that some people might want to hide from others, but they're doing it because they enjoy it or they're doing it because there's so many financial benefits, which is a part of your story. One fact that I was really fascinated by was when you were able to make this transition, what was it? You were making three times the amount on OnlyFans as you were as a lawyer? Yeah. So I am a licensed attorney. I know we didn't clarify that before, but I am currently licensed and I did work at a firm. I was doing like this double life, which was really interesting. We can get into that. And I had taken the bar and passed, but I was waiting to be technically licensed. So during that time, my annual salary was 75K and then it was going to go up when I officially got licensed and I did. And then I quit a few months later. But and I was already making like 40 to 50 grand a month from OnlyFans versus 75,000 a year. So by the time I started working at a firm, I was already making way more on OnlyFans than I was making, than I probably could make in like, sometimes I'd have to be a partner to even start making that much. I mean, it's hard not to be very curious (laughs) about OnlyFans when you hear these numbers. And I wouldn't say I've ever seriously considered it, but I've heard stories like yours of people having huge financial success. And as someone who works independently for myself, like doing content, there have been moments where I wondered, what would that look like for me to do OnlyFans? I'm not saying that I will, but I will admit that I'm curious about it. And Jasmine, you and I were talking about the behind the scenes experience. And this feels like a good time to get into that on the show. How did you figure it out, essentially, I guess? Not only the transition and deciding to do it. I read it, I think, in your bio or something. There's a story of you stepping out of your bar exam to post on OnlyFans. And it was kind of like clicking in your head, like, hmm, do I want to be a lawyer or do I want to do this? So it sounds like you were already starting OnlyFans as you were studying law, as you were prepping to get into that career. And then... What was that turning point? And then how did you get started with it all? Yeah. How did you get to making this much money? I mean, just to be fully transparent, like it's, there's some people that make things like that sound really easy, but I'm guessing it wasn't like you snapped your fingers and you're, all of this happened, exactly. right? It does take work. And some of it is luck. Like it's not a guarantee. And that's a misconception. I don't want, and I tell girls this all the time, because what you just said is what pretty much almost every woman says when I tell them my story or when they hear these stories, they're like, they all consider it. What if I started an OnlyFans? <laughs> like that's always kind of the first step for all of us before we go through with it. And I never, I'm like, oh yeah, do it. You're going to make all this money because that's not necessarily the case. And A lot of people do it and they don't end up making this kind of money. And it's definitely not a guarantee. So I started mine after I graduated and before I took the bar. So kind of in the middle. And OnlyFans started, I would say, becoming really popular like during the pandemic in 2020. And I didn't have one then. I actually had no social media, which is very rare for, I mean, anybody in this day and age, especially like a millennial. And I didn't have an Instagram. I didn't have a Facebook, like nothing. And I had heard about OnlyFans and I always thought it was cool, but I never thought like I could do it because I don't even know how to have social media. So I actually had another friend in law school who had started one and she told me she had started one. And I thought that was really interesting. And she was making a little bit of extra money. So I kind of asked her, I was like, well, where do you like post? And she told me Reddit. And I had like heard of Reddit. I wasn't familiar with the platform at all. But it was less intimidating to me than like a TikTok or an Instagram. So I was like, okay, let me just start an account and post on Reddit. I probably watched like three YouTube videos, like how to start an OnlyFans or how to grow (laughs) following on OnlyFans. Like that's it. And then I was like, okay. And I think for me, I wasn't desperate when I started. And this is something that me and my other friend on OnlyFans were talking about this the other day, something about people who start it out of desperation to make money right away, think it's going to be like quick money. It usually doesn't work out. But if you start it as kind of like how I did, I'm on this path to be a lawyer, it works or it won't work. And if it doesn't work, whatever. That was kind of my mindset. So it wasn't as like anxiety inducing. I'm like, okay, I'll post a picture on Reddit and see what happens. And so I did. And I noticed that I was actually building traction from that. And so I started making a couple thousand dollars. And I was like, oh, and then I kind of just kept growing and growing that way. And once the money 
comes flowing, then you're like, okay, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> I'm going to keep working on it. I'm going to keep learning. And like I was just saying, there are great forums, creator groups where girls will tell you, they will help you. Even though it's a competitive, people say it's so competitive, it's so oversaturated. You won't find more supportive women than women who are doing this. Like when I was in law school, even you're graded on a curve and there are people who are going to be very helpful, but there are also people who aren't going to be very helpful. I've noticed in sex work, there is such a strong, like almost bond between us, which is kind of what we were alluding to earlier. That same friend that I just mentioned, me and her were just talking and we were like, we haven't even met in person, but we both consider each other like best friends. And she's one of those girls who doesn't talking about this with her other friends. There are a lot of girls like you were saying that do it and you may not know because they're not comfortable telling you, but they're comfortable telling other sex workers So we have this bond, this experience that we both share and none of her other friends know. I'm pretty open. Everybody that I know knows. But it's like we've seen each other naked online. Like we've seen everything and we have this unique experience with each other and that sisterhood is there. So I learned a lot from other creators. My first day posting on Reddit, I reached out to a creator and I was like, hey, you have a successful page. Like, how did you do it? And she took the time to write out this whole thing and even promote me for free. And now I take the time, if I get messages like that, I will always take time out of my day to help other girls too. And I would say that is pretty common place in this industry, which is really great. That is really great because my background in social media and YouTube, I guess on YouTube, there was a lot of times where people felt really supportive. Social media, yes, it felt a bit transactional, which seems different from what you're sharing. Like, there also became a certain point in my content creator work where it felt like people didn't want to fully disclose their strategies, for example, because they didn't want you to be their competition. And so maybe they would like only tell you a little bit or they might be kind of shady. There was drama. I mean, this is the reason I moved away from all of that work. It just, it became too much of an emotional burden. And something else you and I have talked about is the comments. And I'm sure we'll get into that more later, but the commenting on social media and YouTube can be really tough. You were telling me about the difference between a platform like TikTok and Reddit. And I'm actually pretty ignorant when it comes to Reddit. It's a tool that I use very lightly, but I don't really understand. So I'd love to hear from you. Like, What was it about Reddit that helped you grow? And how is an audience or comment systems different on Reddit versus social media platforms like TikTok? So I think one major distinction is on Reddit. Reddit is also one of the only platforms along with Twitter that is still allowing explicit content and for OnlyFans to be directly advertised. And this may be pulled out from under us at any point. We're constantly worried about it. And we can talk about that too. And I think one of the reasons that we are willing to share a lot of information with each other. It's because unlike other creators, which is there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you're a beauty influencer, you're selling lipstick, you don't worry about this. But we're constantly deplatformed. We're constantly banned. We have an entire agenda that is like against us, I guess, from the right. There's a whole anti-porn stuff going around, people conflating it with child safety and child trafficking in general. And so we all know what it feels like to get banned. We all know what it feels like to build a platform and have it taken away from us. And so we help each other. Oh, use the VPN, use this. We are all willing to share that because like I said, it feels like sometimes it's us against the world. And we don't want also to bring that energy into the group itself. Now, this doesn't mean that there has never been drama between sex workers or that there isn't any sex worker who has been shady. But We have to trust each other because there's also a lot of like, we can talk about this too, agencies, management companies that come to us and give us these big promises and we don't know who to trust other than each other. But I would say one of the main differences to get back to your question between Reddit and these other platforms is Reddit allows explicit content, but in certain subreddits. So if you're looking at this content, you chose to be looking at it. Like you're probably horny. And you went on a subreddit called Busty Brunettes, where you're going to see a bunch of busty brunettes. So you're not likely to be combative to that because you chose to be there and you're looking at this content. Whereas on Instagram or TikTok, your algorithm hits like kind of just whoever. And so if you're going live on TikTok and a bunch of people are just scrolling and some people come up to your live and they're like, oh, 
I don't want to see this or what's wrong with you. You're not going to get as much of that on Reddit. And then I also feel like Reddit is kind of hailed this like free speech friendly platform where people are there to kind of express their views or express whatever. And so I think that the people that really enjoy Reddit are people that maybe like we were talking about before the show started, people who enjoy podcasts versus people who enjoy short form content. Sometimes you just get a different audience. And I think with a platform like Reddit, people are a little bit more interested in dialogue and conversation. And they're not as like stuck in their ways as they are on TikTok and Instagram, where they're just probably there to see whatever. And then they're like, oh, you whore. You know, (laughs) you're not going to get as much of that on Reddit. Yeah, it's interesting. It reminds me of the closest experience that I've had is on my YouTube channel that I spent many years working on, which I sense pause. One point on my banner had pictures of me in a bikini. And actually, one of my previous podcast guests recently named Melissa Schwartz, incredible photographer. And she has always kind of focused on showing women as these powerful, but also sexual beings. And I had never really done anything like that, but it was really empowering to work with her and feel like sexy and strong. And I felt really beautiful. And she created these photos that I was really proud of. And I put them on YouTube as like a banner. And I remember this woman writing me and saying like, I came to your channel to learn about vegan living, which was my focus. She's like, I don't want to see you in a bikini. I don't want my kids to see you in a bikini. And I just am feeling so taken aback because I'm like, well, (laughs) why is me in a bikini so offensive? I wasn't even posing in a sexy way. But it was the fact that I was showing off my body that really bothered her because maybe she was coming for more of pure or down to earth content that had nothing to do with my body. There's a challenge as a content creator, which in a way it doesn't seem like you face because you're a sex worker. And so your whole world is about, from my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's about your body. It's about your sexuality. Whereas a content creator, you can get rewarded for being sexy. I mean, we certainly see with the algorithms, people that show off their bodies and their appearance often get rewarded. But along with that comes a lot of potential for controversy for people to bully you, for people to judge you. I know you're really interested in this, Jasmine, that body shame. I felt that a lot. Probably a reason I love podcasting so much is it's an audio medium. It has nothing to do with my appearance. So I don't have to worry about the pressure to show up with a certain appearance. But I also am not as exposed to people who might criticize my appearance in whatever way they don't like. I'm wondering, do you experience that as a sex worker? Like, Do you still have to deal with body shame? Or is it because people are expecting you to show off your body, that doesn't happen? Like, or is it somewhere in between? Yeah, I wish that people expected us to show off our body so we wouldn't get the backlash. But we do. Being a sex worker is inherently controversial. So your job is already by nature controversial. You don't have to do something for it to be controversial, like what you were describing, because everything you're doing is by default controversial. So you will get people who say like, oh, you're just showing off your body. And that's why you have these followers, which it is easier to get followers that way. But it's also a lot easier to get banned that way. So a lot of us aren't even able to keep our followers on a lot of social media platforms. And yeah, you get a lot of I mean, probably every comment, if you're just showing off your body in post or in anything, you're going to get a bunch of feedback that's directed at your body. There's nothing else for them to really be commenting on other than either the fact that you're doing something showing off your body or your body itself. So that's all the comments you get. And a lot of creators talk about how they do get negative comments about themselves or their bodies and that it gets to them. And I can't really speak on this, but you do see a lot of people who talk about like being a sex worker, online creator of color, and they get certain treatment or they don't get the algorithm doesn't favor them the way lighter skinned or if you have a more conventional attractive look, you get favored by the algorithm and you don't get as much of those negative comments. If you have a little bit more weight on you or you don't have a body type that's considered typically attractive, you're going to deal with that more. I understand my privilege in this industry in the sense that I think I do have like a stereotypically like sexy body. And so I actually don't get a lot of that negativity. But 
that doesn't mean I never get it. I mean, I had to learn all this TikTok lingo, but there's something called mid, which means like you're just average, like you're not all that. And I just get like a billion comments that are like mid, mid, you know, but like that stuff doesn't really bother me. And a lot of people get it way worse. There's this idea that for so long that like a narrative that you had to look a particular way to be in the sex like work industry, to be like a porn star and you had to have these huge boobs and blah, blah, blah. Now I kind of have that look, but a lot of girls that make a killing off this don't have that look and they're still doing really well. But you'll get comments like, why would anyone pay to see you? They will deal with stuff like that more so than I will. So that's definitely a thing. And that gets to some people more than others. I was wondering about that, actually. I mean, given what you're calling the privilege of the way that you look, Maybe it's not something easy to speak on, but you could certainly see it in the other women and sex workers that you know, the struggles that people go through if they don't fit into a certain box. But it is kind of weird to me. If we look at dating, most people are able to find a partner in life. I would guess statistically, I don't know the numbers, meaning like no matter what you look like, someone's going to find you attractive. And I think online, there might even be people who have a particular person that is outside of some conventional appearance that they actually prefer. And maybe sex workers allow them to access that because the focus on whatever is conventional or normal or the majority, that's not going to appeal to everybody. And I think in a way, it's kind of cool, like a platform like OnlyFans that allows like, quote, the everyday person to go on and post, you're going to get much more variety then perhaps the porn industry that's only hiring people or a majority of people who look a certain way that might exclude others and types of preferences, if that makes sense. I think that's a big benefit, much like content creation gives people with different types of talent to expose themselves, express themselves in a way that a more traditional industry might exclude them. And I'm all for inclusivity. So do you find OnlyFans to be focused on inclusivity and diversity? Do they emphasize that? The thing with OnlyFans is they're not the ones advertising like you have to advertise. But I will say that that is one of the reasons I think OnlyFans is as popular as it is. And that's why you see a wide variety of girls on OnlyFans that do well. So I was going to just mention Reddit. Reddit works by posting in different subreddits. And there are subreddits for everything. Chubby, skinny, over 40, between 18 and 21, big boobs, small boobs, stretch marks, saggy tits, blah, blah, blah. Like people, anything, any type of way you look, emo girls, goth girls, whatever. (laughs) There's all different types of looks and aesthetics that people are attracted to. And a lot of your success on Reddit is based on posting in subreddits that fit what you look like or what you provide. So sometimes there's fetish-friendly content creators who are interested in a certain fetish themselves and they bring that to their followers or fans. And so you get this kind of personalized experience on OnlyFans that you don't really get. I'm sure on porn, you can search for what you want, but with OnlyFans, you can kind of be like, well, I like like redheads and you'll go to the subreddit that has a lot of creators that are redheads and you can find what you like. And I think that's one of the things that makes OnlyFans so popular is men like to see like real women. They don't always want to see this like airbrush with the oil and whatever, the lighting and everything. So a lot of the stuff that like we ourselves are like, oh my God, I have stretch marks or my boobs are not super like, they're not all the way up here, whatever. And then you post on these subreddits and there are people, men who are like, no, 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 I want this. Like I want to see specifically women that have a mom bot, like mom bot is a big subreddit on Reddit. So I think you're absolutely right that you get a wide range of creators on here. But then again, like I said, if you're just posting on TikTok and it's hitting everybody and it's hitting a bunch of like 18-year-old, 19-year-old people who are, they're just like, ew, that's kind of what I was talking about. But that doesn't mean that you're not successful on the platform because you are, no matter what you look like. There are people that are successful across a bunch of ranges. Part of what fascinates me about this all is... The fact that people are paying for this, which is something that I don't have that perspective on because as a content creator, the way that I've monetized has mostly been advertising, sponsorship from brands, affiliate marketing. There has been some direct exchange between 
an audience, fans, etc. But not in the way it seems like OnlyFans works. And I'm kind of curious going back to what you're saying about Reddit and the strategy of you start by posting a picture there. So I would love to know, you're posting a free picture on Reddit and then how does that convert to them paying for things? Like you said, when you started off making a few thousand dollars, like where does that come from? Does that come from them giving you money on OnlyFans or is there a way to pay on Reddit too? There's multiple ways to do this. I ran like a premium Snapchat that you could like pay and I still have it. You could pay to get on and you could get like my cash app information through Reddit, but you have your OnlyFans link. So you post like one picture on Reddit And then you get like a bunch of pictures if you subscribe to OnlyFans. And then you have your OnlyFans page where you have a bunch of stuff on your wall, but then you can make more exclusive content. Like if I make a video that's like over five minutes long, that's now behind a second paywall. So the more exclusive content you can sell for more. Or sometimes people want like a custom video. I thought the same thing. I was like, why are so many people paying for OnlyFans? It was only when I got on it that I realized that they're getting a relationship with the creator that they don't get in traditional porn. It seems more authentic. It's a real person. You are able to interact with them. I go live once a week on my OnlyFans, like naked, and I will answer a bunch of questions. And a lot of people use it for education purposes. There was a study that came out that OnlyFans subscribers do feel like their sex lives have improved because they are curious. They come on and they ask like, oh, how do you make a woman orgasm? Because, you know, porn gives you one way and that's usually not right. Or they're like, do you really want a 10 inch penis? And I'm like, no, a lot of women, we're not like looking for that. You get to answer those questions. You get to kind of have that one-on-one authentic relationship with them. A lot of couples subscribe to me together or a lot of people find me through their partner to through their girlfriend. So There is not like one type of OnlyFans subscriber. And there is this narrative that is all these lonely, like whatever men and like blah, blah. No, a lot of very healthy people who do very well in the dating world or the dating arena that also want to have this kind of experience online with a particular creator. So that's to answer your question. You kind of make money through people tipping, through those extra videos, through subscriptions. When I first started, I was doing more of this, but I still do them. Just the prices are much higher now. You could do like a video call, five minute video call, sexting sessions. There's so many different things you can offer and everybody's kind of looking for something different. Some subscribers want one-on-one talking with you. Some just want to see your videos. Some love the live streams. Everybody's looking for something different. So the more you can provide for people, then the more people you're going to attract that are looking for those different things. Thank you for outlining it because like like I said, I'm so ignorant at realizing more and more through this conversation how little I don't know because I've never tried it. And a couple of questions come up. One is, is there a form or a model of using a platform like OnlyFans that doesn't involve being naked? Like do people use it beyond that successfully? I'm sure you could because I think I've read in the past like OnlyFans can be a variety of different things. But is it more successful if you're naked? What if you did just want to go on there and talk to people openly about sex or talk to them about relationships? Or is it that they're going there to get stimulated by your appearance and the dynamic you create with them? Or could you just create a dynamic of openness and meaning it can be a place where it's not censored, unlike the other platforms? Is that what OnlyFans is about? Not censoring you and your content? So... I would say, yeah, one of the benefits of OnlyFans and this model of sex work, which hasn't been around before. So a lot of the things that people point to in the sex work industry to like speak down on it, which a lot of these issues are real issues is, oh, it's really exploitative, blah, blah, blah. The workers aren't treated well. Well, with OnlyFans, you kind of take a lot of that out because you're your own boss. There's no middleman, although middlemen do try to come in and make you think you need one, which we can talk about later. And you are in full control over what you post. You own the content. So if you want to delete it, you can delete it. And it's copyrighted content. If it's somewhere else on the internet, you can get it taken down. Now, obviously, it's the internet. Like, I wouldn't say you should do it if you expect it to never. It's the internet. But you do what you're comfortable doing. 
So I would say, like I just said, that people are looking for a lot of different kinds of things. And a lot of people do come to OnlyFans for sexual gratification. So if you're not providing that, you're probably not going to do as well. But that doesn't mean you're not doing well. So we hear this stories all the time of some people that just sell feet pics. Now, are there any like top, top creators that just sell feet feet pics? I don't know. Unless celebrities, like a lot of celebrities, they already have big followings. They kind of just post the same stuff they post on Instagram on OnlyFans. Some girls choose to do that. So there's a wide variety of different profiles and different pages. Some people just do solo. Some people don't show like they just do topless. I used to, for most of, until literally February, I was a solo creator Now I have a partner and we film scenes together or we film clips together. So that was new for me. And you have all these terms on OnlyFans. So that's called BG content, boy, girl content. GG content is girl, girl content. And it's like the OnlyFans lingo. Hey, do you have BG content and stuff? It's generally a very sex positive platform. And one of the reasons I think so many people turn to it is because they have a certain kink. And I would say 90% of the time, The way that these people, even the subscribers approach you is so respectful. It's like, hey, I was wondering, like, can I explain to you what I'm into if that's okay with you? And then you let me know if it works or not. And it's like such a positive experience. And as we were talking about earlier about the difference in the messages that I see on like TikTok and Instagram versus OnlyFans. And that's why when people are like, oh, OnlyFans has a bunch of losers. Like, no, a lot of the people on OnlyFans are very well-spoken they're well-articulated, educated, everything's properly punctuated. The haters seem not to know how to speak English <laughs> a lot of the time. But the vast majority of people that subscribe to OnlyFans are very respectful in the way that they speak to sex workers. And a lot of them are there to support sex workers. An aspect of OnlyFans that not a lot of people think about is that it's one of the most ethical ways to consume explicit content online. OnlyFans has a very strict verification system. We all have to be verified. And then if we want to bring anyone else on, they have to send in their ID. They have to do all this paperwork. They have to send in a consent form. We have to tag all the content that they're in, which can make it like, it's not something where you're going to be able to go on a bunch of one night stands and be able to post your content unless you want to hand paperwork over to your (laughs) partner after you (laughs) do the deed. But because of that, and you know, the money is going straight to the creator. All the content on there is content that they want on there. You know, it's not like Pornhub, which keeps content from creators that no longer want it there. You may be seeing content that's non-consensual or underage. You don't have those issues on OnlyFans. So it's a very ethical way to consume content. So a lot of the anti-OnlyFans people, they miss that that is a big deal. And that makes me wonder why people are so anti OnlyFans. Why do you think that is? Because if I were resistant to OnlyFans at all, it was just based in ignorance and maybe feeling like a little uncomfortable with, it's hard to even describe where my discomfort is. I think it is the ignorance. And also, I think as a woman, I felt a lot of pressure to figure out like, am I valued for my personality and my knowledge, my brain? Like, or valued for my appearance. And that's been a big battle for my whole life. And there's part of me that wants to feel really confident about my appearance and wants to express myself in different ways, but I don't want to like be judged based on that. And I think sometimes when I've seen sex type content, sexual content, or mostly just like people showing off their bodies, there's part of me that feels resentful because I'm like, but I don't want to have to show off my body. They're getting all this attention and they're making all this money. It's, I don't know if it's like a jealousy thing or just like wanting to be valued beyond my appearance, I suppose. That I think is where any discomfort lays for me personally. But the more you talk about this, I don't see anything wrong with someone else doing this. And I think the ethical side of it is such an important factor So from your opinion and experience, why do you think other people have problems with OnlyFans or girls or even guys? Like, it's not even a gender issue. Like, why do you think people have issues with anyone celebrating their appearance and their sexuality and using platforms like OnlyFans to monetize that? So I would say there's a difference a lot of the time between my way women might not like it and why men might not like it. And there's even differences So there's a whole feminist debate on is sex work good or is sex work bad? And I'm like really interested in this. And so 
you get like the anti-sex work feminists who are like, no, this brings us back in time. It's just objectification. These women are being objectified. We're still being sexualized. And then you get the pro-sex work feminists, which I would fall into. That's like, well, no, this is us taking power of our sexuality. This idea of you, which is a lot of these anti-sex work feminists do is like we're not even blaming the women that do it they just don't know any better they like a lot of people that do it as a last resort we should focus on other ways for women to be able to prosper in society without using their bodies whereas the pro-sex work side is no women can make that informed they can make those decisions for themselves and sex work is work so if a woman wants to do this and it's making them happy like to me it's like who are you to tell me that no i should go be a lawyer and be less happy you know what I mean? Because you're telling me that it's better for me. It's this very paternalistic idea. And I think with OnlyFans in particular, it's brought in a lot of women who otherwise wouldn't get into sex work. Like me, for instance, I probably wouldn't get into sex work if there wasn't something like OnlyFans, like a model like OnlyFans. So it's brought in like your local barista, your lawyer, your whoever, and your CPA. A lot of people are doing OnlyFans. And so it's really, I think, hitting like a lot of that culture war we're dealing with now of people are over sexualized and from the male side you see a lot of oh my god you can't even find a good woman anymore they're all whores on only fans and a lot of them are upset with only fans which they weren't upset with porn because now we're profiting off of it and they feel entitled they're like i shouldn't have to pay to see you naked porn is free so you should be free to see naked too. And we're over here like, no, we are going to make a profit off this. And so I think it's even jealousy from the male side because you will see a lot of people who are like, I'll be on and they'll like put in quotes, oh, women have it so hard. Like we have to have real jobs and women these days, they can just take their clothes off and make all this money. So you see that. And then for anyone that has like a moral opposition to sex work or people who maybe have like religious, beliefs that make them feel like their body is not to be like shown to the world. This having so many women on OnlyFans, just being confronted with that makes them want to push back and kind of talk about their beliefs, which then makes us. So we kind of, I think we hit at this culture war that we're experiencing just in the nation in general, but especially in online communities, you do get then like the red pill Manosphere. I don't know how much you know about them, where they are specifically, they're really focused on OnlyFans and how they have this idea that like all women go for like the top 20% of men, which leaves a bunch of men at the bottom and these advancements that women have, and they're able to get online and make all this money and there's benefiting us and it's hurting them. Basically, this power that women now have and they're using threatens them. So there's a lot of different reasons why people have issues with OnlyFans. And some people, it could be coming from a good spot. They're like, oh, all these young girls are doing it and they don't know how it may impact them in the future or they don't understand the consequences to this type of work. You see like a wide spectrum of reasons people have either some hesitation when it comes to OnlyFans or just outright hatred for it and the women that do it. Thank you for speaking on that because it's definitely not something that I'm well-versed in, probably because I, as I said, feel pretty liberal about it. And also I'm willing to address my internalized judgments around this. That's part of why I love having these conversations. It gives me an opportunity to reflect on where I'm rigid and where I have biases and just realize (laughs) those aren't serving me and they're not serving other people. Because to your point, if it's done in a way that's truly benefiting someone and has some ethical elements to it, and people do think through the consequences or, which is a word I'm not even sure I want to use, actually. Like, what does consequences even mean? (laughs) Like, what are the consequences of using OnlyFans? Have you had to face any of them, Jasmine? Really? Like, Would you say since you've been doing this for the last few years, like you've had a lot of benefits, it sounds like, but have you had to face hardships beyond trolls and haters? I personally haven't. But again, I would put myself on the very privileged end of the sex work spectrum, both in my success and in my ability to be able to combat. A lot of people throw a lot of these narratives at us. You must not have anything else you can do. You must be stupid. It's takes two seconds to hear my story and know my background to know that I could have done anything. It wasn't a last resort for me. It was a first resort. I always say that. 
And one thing you said that I forgot to touch on was that you are being praised for your appearance, but that doesn't mean that you can't show you're a multifaceted human being. And that is also what does really well on OnlyFans. So if you look at the top creators on OnlyFans, they are Twitch streamers. Some of them are podcasters. They're people who show their personalities online in other ways and then also show themselves in a sexual light. And that sometimes is hard for people. And I have gotten so many messages because I'll go live and talk about like philosophy and like objective morality. And then I'll go straight after and do a sexual live on OnlyFans. And I have subscribers that are like, it was hard at first for me to make that switch because I hear you talk or I watch your videos and I'm like, she's so smart or whatever. And it's hard for me to then just like, see you sexually. And I'm like, well, why? Isn't that how we see like, if you're even dating somebody, there are times where you see them in a sexual light, and you're thinking about them in that way. And then you can have a conversation 20 minutes later about politics and the economy. And they're like, yeah, and the more you expose people to that, the more you expose, I could be online completely naked. And you may have these preconceived notions about what that means. She's stupid. This is all she's good, blah, blah, blah then you can hear me talk and you can see that I'm actually a cool person to be around. Like I get all the time. Oh, your personality is actually pretty cool. Whatever. Then the more you're exposed to that, the less novel it will seem. And I think that's one of the great things that like benefits of OnlyFans that I try to do or mission I have with my platform is to show people. Yeah. Like I said, I want to get into social and political commentary. I could be talking about a really serious topic. And then two clicks later, you can see me in a sexual context and just feel super horny and turned on. And that's okay. What's wrong with that? Why can't I be seen in both lights? And the truth is that I can. A lot of times it just goes against our biases and the stereotypes that we have with this kind of work. And that's really cool. I think like maybe that is part of where it can advance the feminist agenda. It's like not putting women in these boxes. And for someone like myself, I've always been a very sexual person, but I've never felt comfortable talking about that publicly, but privately, like with my friends, if I'm around like other open-minded women or men, again, it's not a gender thing, but like generally I feel a little bit more comfortable talking about these things with women at this stage in my life. If they're talking about their sexuality openly, it's so exciting for me because it feels like a rare opportunity. And in my dating history too, like I do want men to know that I'm smart and I'm not a pushover and that I can be successful and all that. And men sometimes seem, maybe not directly in my experience, but there's also this idea that you, as a woman, you can't be too successful or too financially successful because that's intimidating to men. And men might not want to date you if you're too successful or you're too smart, which is such a bizarre old way of thinking to me. Like... And maybe patriarchal, like don't be too much. Like you want the man to feel in power and control and you can't be equals, essentially, is what that says. And I'm a huge advocate for equality, but I don't just want a man or a person in general to see me as intelligent and successful. But there's that side of me that has felt pretty suppressed in life of sexuality because I love sex. I'm curious about it. Like, But it's something I feel like I generally only get to experience in private. And it's such a small percentage of my life for that reason. And talking to you, I think it's so cool that sexuality is a huge part of your life and you're open and you're connected with other people. And that's really special and rare, I think, these days. Yeah. And a lot of that because this is what like that fear of the manosphere always says like, oh, nobody's going to want to date you if you're on OnlyFans. Nobody wants to date a woman who is not feminine submissive. I will say my dating life has not changed at all since I've been on OnlyFans. There are billions of people on this planet. We don't all have the same value. So while there are men who feel that way, there's plenty of men who don't. <laughs> like even like online, like I have so many subscribers that are true allies to women, to sex workers. And even in person, like a lot of people are like, yeah, get your money, whatever. They still see you as a smart, all those other things that you want to be, you can still be. So this idea that, oh my God, nobody's going to want to date. Like OnlyFans women are not really struggling finding dates. You guys seem to be struggling. <laughs> the people that are saying this seem to be the ones struggling we're not. The world is changing. And I think sex work is becoming more normalized. 
this OnlyFans world is becoming more normalized. And a lot of men sit there and they're like, I would do it. That's just something I would hear all the time. <laughs> they're like, are you kidding me? If somebody was going to pay me that much, I would do it. And they don't see it as immoral or something that is like a common thing you get. Oh, you lack self-respect. Well, what does self-respect mean? When someone tells you you lack self-respect, what they're really meaning is I don't respect you, so you shouldn't respect you, which isn't what self-respect is. So people who see self-respect as people who live in accordance with their values, stand up for other people, people who are kind, people who are, that's what self-respect is. Self-respect to me is doing what's best for me despite your opinion, which you are telling me (laughs) without me asking. And there are plenty of people and men who agree with this message. And so when you hear these men be like, oh no, men don't like this, men don't like that. Those are usually the insecure men that have poor critical thinking skills that we don't want to date anyway. And I'm not lacking in options. So let me know how I can deter more men. That's how we always say that. (laughs) Like I'm not deterring enough with my behavior. Let me know what I can do to deter more men so that I can have a more manageable dating pool because right now it's flooded and I sometimes suffer from the paradox of choice. So let me know. (laughs) That's what I always say. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love the confidence, the reality check in that. And that's actually something else I was curious about, which is on social media or and even like traditional media, like in the celebrity world, there's this concept of a parasocial relationship, which is this one-sided thing where somebody is engaging with you and they think they really know you because you're giving them some attention. And I'm curious like what that's like on OnlyFans because that's the part, if I were to consider joining, I would wonder how to manage that because even in my world as a content creator, like I'll get nervous. Like is somebody going to figure out where I live and come stalk me? Luckily, as far as I know, that's never happened. But I worry sometimes because I'm a very open person and I probably share a lot of details. I've been trying to be more private, but it's scary sometimes about the possibility that something negative may happen in person. But the other side of it too is sometimes through connections with people, they might think that they're your friend. I'm curious, like, do you experience that? Do people ever think like you're their girlfriend? Like, how do you manage if you have hundreds or thousands of people that you're in some sort of a relationship with. So big, big topic for me on OnlyFans. And the key is boundaries. So I am very good at putting in strict boundaries. And I have no interest in making money through pretending that those boundaries aren't. A lot of girls on OnlyFans offer like a girlfriend experience. And there's ways you can do that that are very clear and put forth like, okay, this is just an experience and blah, blah, blah. Totally fine. I don't even offer that because I just don't even like those lines to get blurred. And so a common thing that happens on OnlyFans, especially when girls are fairly successful or like in the percentage I am, is it's a lot of work. So they hire chatters or they have an agency that hires chatters where people will go in and speak to your fans on your behalf and kind of create those relationships. I don't find that ethical. A lot of times they make money by manipulating these people's emotions, sometimes making them think that they're their friend when they're not. And these men will open up to these women, talk about their personal relationships, personal things they've gone through, what they like sexually. And people who use this model, I think it's unethical to be trying to manipulate people in order to get as much money as possible. So I made it a point. I don't do that. So like if I'm live or, you know, if you send me like some people watch my videos and they're like, oh, I saw this article and they send me the article, I'll talk about the article. But I make it very clear. Even if someone says, are you single? I say, yeah, but this isn't a dating app. Like (laughs) that's literally my answer. I'm like, not here to date you guys. It doesn't mean I don't care about you guys, but I'm a content creator. I want to engage with you guys when I can, but that's all this relationship is. We're not friends. We're not more than friends. And I have those super strict boundaries put in place both to protect myself and to make sure I enjoy my experience on there. And also because I think it's unethical which for creators to blur those lines and make people think that it's more than what it is because their feelings matter too. And I just had an experience where a girl contacted me. She's in a contract with an agency who is doing that and making men think that she's going to marry them and stuff. And she's like, I don't like this. I don't want them to do that. We talked about like how she can get out of it. But that's part of what I was before we started recording. I said, there's a responsibility that creators have to their fans. 
just as much as there is a responsibility that fans have to the creator. And I think part of that is on both sides, boundaries and making those boundaries very clear. So that's how I avoid it. And if somebody doesn't respect those boundaries, which is honestly not common, like a lot of times, like if you have those boundaries in place, you attract the kind of subscribers that would respect them. But if for any reason they don't, you can restrict the account. They can't message you. They just, they leave. You can do that. So for me, I don't deal with that a lot because I don't even let it get there, to be honest. Like my messages, if you want to buy content, if you have a question, that's what that's for. It's even if you ask me how my day was, I wish I had time to like tell everybody how my day is, but I don't. So I hope your day is well, going well. My day's going well. I'm glad you're here. But we're not having long-winded conversations about our lives where I'm making you think that we are friends. It's really impressive the way you think through all of this and you figured out so much and it seems like under three years, right? Because you mentioned 2020. Has it been, what, two or three years since you've been on? Started in 2021. Wow. It's been two years. It's actually been around exactly I mean, two years. It's amazing how you've been able to develop things like boundaries and strategies and like figure out what works well for you. One thing that really stood out when you and I were talking before the recording is you said you're very interested in living a life that's conducive to your own happiness. And that feels like a little easier said than done. So it's amazing because from my perception, it seems like you're happy, you're confident, despite acknowledging that there are mental health struggles. I think you've experienced your share of backlash, expectations. I mean, one thing we haven't talked about is how you come from a strict Middle Eastern Iranian American household and the expectations that your family might have had for you becoming that lawyer. I'm kind of curious, like speaking of boundaries, did they know that much about your career or is there a way that you can maintain boundaries with family, with friends, with other people in your personal life to protect yourself from any backlash from them or disappointment or shame? Yeah. So OnlyFans isn't for everybody and sex work isn't for everybody, but it was for me because like what you just said, I do like to think through everything. And when you think through everything and you're so strong in your beliefs and your convictions, I don't mind backlash. I invite it almost. I like it because if you leave me a comment, like women who do this have no self-respect, great. Now I can ask you why. Now I can open up this conversation. Now other people can read it and put in their opinion as well. So with my parents, that was very difficult for me because I was so close with my parents and I still am. So that was hard. But at the same time, I am so hard-headed and almost confrontational to the point where if anyone wants boundaries, probably them with me, because I will take any opportunity that I can to talk about why sex work is real work, why women shouldn't be slut shamed, especially coming from the Middle East, why there needs to be changes in our culture, especially as it pertains to women. And so I almost look for opportunities to bring that up. I look for opportunities to start those conversations. And I know that, especially now that we've gotten over the hump where they're really angry with me, (laughs) they still don't like it. Now it's just like, we don't really talk about it. But if we do talk about it, then I'm going to hold my ground. And they know better now than to bring up any comment like that. Like there's always people talk about how do you address like racist comments around the dinner table or whatever. I think everyone in my family knows better than to bring up that kind of stuff with me unless they know that they're going to get a conversation and they're going to get backlash for it from me expressing my opinion. I was just telling my friend yesterday, like, I love that I embarrass my parents this way. I mean, I'm sorry. I love that I embarrass my parents this way because I feel like a lot of parents who come from my background are so like obsessed with going places and being like, well, my daughter's a lawyer. My son went to Harvard, blah, blah, blah. And it almost had to humble them. I'm like, nope, your daughter is now on OnlyFans. So next time you want to judge, or maybe you you can either learn that it might be okay. I was just saying, like, I remember one time, like my aunt was in the car and she was like, I can't believe Kim Kardashian made a sex tape and blah, 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 blah. Like just on their high horse. I'm like, well, your niece is on OnlyFans now. So are you going to now go around and be so ashamed by that? Or maybe you can evolve your view a little bit because you love me and I'm doing the same thing she's doing. And you can have a difference of opinion, but for you to judge so harshly now, especially in our culture where it's like a collectivist culture where like something your kid does can bring shame onto you. Good. Now, not everybody has to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. And I think it's worked because 
somebody else in the community, they decided to be like non-binary or something. And my sister was saying my mom was telling her mom, well, you know, we have to love our kids anyway. And if if she's non-binary. And I was like, I did this because my mom would have never responded like that before. But now she like has no choice almost. (laughs) That's so cool. What you're speaking about with me and your interest in speaking about this more often and advocating for these things, it isn't just about you. It isn't just about OnlyFans or sex work. It's also about opening up minds and reducing or removing stigma and helping us embrace our differences. And I think we really, really need that in the U.S. and beyond. We struggle a lot as human species of this being kind of pit against each other, the hierarchies that we have, the traditions that have been put in place that we haven't examined for a long time, the outdated knowledge or opinions that maybe it's time we shake things up. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. And you're creating stability for yourself, which everybody really wants. I mean, every human being needs some sort of financial stability to thrive. And I think you're doing that. You're expressing yourself in an open way, but you're also using this as a platform to educate others, to create more acceptance. It's just incredible to witness. That is the best part of this. Like I get messages so often and the money's great telling me you think I'm hot. It's great. But the messages I get from so many people, especially Middle Eastern people who come from a similar background saying like you're the way you are so brave in what you're doing has made me come out to my parents because I'm gay or I'm whatever. I get messages like that all the time. And when people say like, what are you doing to contribute to society? You quit your job as a lawyer. I'm like, as a lawyer, I was helping rich people avoid paying taxes. And now I'm getting messages every single day telling people that I impacted their lives and I pushed them to live a life conducive to their own happiness, which we talked about. Doesn't mean OnlyFans. That might mean coming out as who you are when it comes to your sexuality. That may mean going against the grain and doing something you really love versus what society expects you to do. So The best part of this is that I have touched already, and I hope this is just the beginning of touching and inspiring so many people to be happier and to not be afraid of what other people think and let other people's opinions dictate how they live their lives because you're the only person that's going to be living your life. So you might as well live it for you. Well, I certainly think this is just the beginning because this is such a valuable conversation and needed I have learned so much from you. I've turned into a fan myself. Maybe I'll go and create an OnlyFans account just so I can support you because I just think what you're doing is so cool. Just subscribe to my YouTube because I want to be doing a lot of videos yeah. like this on YouTube. You could be a gateway. <laughs> I'll definitely do YouTube. I'm also curious to finally explore what OnlyFans means. I think until you try something like that, like you're standing on the outside and from the outside, you can't understand something. And and you've inspired me to understand OnlyFans more because you've opened up my mind to being about so much more. And I get very curious about things like this and I want to experience it. But of course, with YouTube as well, I think it's awesome that you're exploring outside of there. You're looking at these other platforms. I hope that YouTube embraces you and all that you have to say, because my experience with YouTube, it can be a challenging platform, but it's a powerful platform. And with your mentality and your experience with boundaries and dealing with people, I think you'll be able to fend off or shield yourself from any hate you might come across. And it sounds like it's really worth it, Jasmine, because your message needs to be heard. And we need people like you to break through these barriers and open up minds and make people's hearts stronger. Yeah, I had a friend text me the other day, like, can you imagine who you would be if you stayed at your firm and you stopped OnlyFans? And I really thought about that. And I was like, wow, I was never like a judgmental person. And I think I was always pretty empathetic. But doing this and going from being a member of one of the most respected professions in society, like being a lawyer, to one of the least respected professions in society has made me more an empathetic person, somebody that 
cares more about all marginalized communities now that I am one, someone that it's made me more of an activist for everybody. So, and none of that would have been true if I was just working a traditional eight to five at my law job, meeting my billables, sitting behind a desk. So I am so happy that I made this decision and that I am able to impact the people that I already impacted and hopefully more. And I really appreciate your support, you bringing me on, you helping me share my message because I wouldn't be able to do it if people like you weren't supporting it or giving me a place to share it. Well, the feeling somewhat mutual, you know, it's been an honor chatting with you and I've learned so much. I hope that the listener has too. And even if they haven't, just being open to spending a few minutes with someone like you that you might have felt uncomfortable with or something. I didn't feel discomfort, but I've seen just little bits within myself open up more through speaking with you. And I can only hope that if just one other person has had a similar experience as as me, it was all worth sharing that. And I really believe that putting this information out there just needs to happen more and more. So I'm excited to see what's next for you. Who else you talk to? I know you're gearing up to do more YouTube. You're gearing up to do more interviews, more public speaking. And it does feel like the beginning. So I can't wait to see where it goes from here, Jasmine, and what you'll do with the next two years and beyond. Thank you. And I really appreciate this type of setting where we can really dive into these topics like over an hour versus like that soundbite type of content that we were talking about before we started recording. So what you're doing, I think is so important to really be able to hear people's full message instead of just a part of it. So thank you. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, that's exactly what my aim is. And it's not always that I have a guest on the show that really gets that, embraces that, wants that. So that's also made this such a great alignment, Jasmine. And for the listener, if you're eager to learn more like I am, I have linked to The Next Step with Jasmine, which YouTube seems like the place that you want people to go to next after this episode, Jasmine. Is that right? Not necessarily OnlyFans, if they're not ready for it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you want to, if that's your thing, I'd be happy to have you. But my Instagram and my YouTube... If you just go to Jasmine Jafar, J-A-Z-M-E-N dot M-E, that'll have everything. I have the YouTube. My Instagram is where I'll kind of start be posting a lot of like conversations like this that I'm having. So you can listen to other podcasts I do, including this one. And I have a Twitch that I go on once a week with my fans. And we talk about like all kinds of things. Like we are going to talk about gun reform on Monday, like just really random stuff. (laughs) And if you're interested in having conversations like that, I would love to have you there as well. But yeah, wherever you feel like you're interested in seeing more. Well, I will link to it all in the show notes. So for anyone who wants to check out all the links or one in particular, it'll be there for you in two places. So the easiest is in the description on your podcast player. Depending on what platform you're using, you should be able to click a see more button, click on the description and get the YouTube link there, which I'll start with. If you want the other links to Instagram, to Twitch, beyond, that'll be in the show notes, which is at wellevator.com. That's also linked in the description, but I'll spell it out for you to make it really easy. It's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And if you go to the show notes section, you'll find the blog post transcript version of this if you want to go back and reread anything, but all the links are there to make it really easy. And eventually this video will be on YouTube as well. I'm a little bit behind with my own YouTube stuff right now, but at some point it'll be there. So if you want to be able to watch this conversation, like Jasmine was telling me, that's how she listens to podcasts. She gets them on YouTube. And I said, you know what? I need to like get back on track with all of that to reach people that like the visuals, which I imagine people like your visuals, Jasmine, as part of your success. So we got to get this on YouTube soon. (laughs) Listen to my podcast on YouTube because I'm just not tech savvy enough. So I love YouTube. I was actually just listening to one before I came on here. I think you should start putting it on YouTube because I think there is a large percentage of people that are like me who are just not cool <laughs> enough to be using the other, the other podcast spaces. And with YouTube, you kind of can get like either like snippets or you can get the whole episode and you can then go on to something else completely random. So I think YouTube kind of has it all, which is a good market for this as well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And thank you for that inspiration. I needed a break because like I alluded to, YouTube has been a tricky platform for me over the years and I got a bit burnt out, but 
you've inspired me to push beyond that and just get the show back on track. So there is a, a YouTube channel for the show, but it's pretty far behind. So one of these days, I'll get to your upload, Jasmine. I'll add it into the show notes for anyone to find easily. And I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing what you do on YouTube in that time too. So to be continued. Thanks again for being here. Thanks to the listener. And I'll be back with another episode on Monday if you're interested in another potentially uncomfortable, but always aiming for an eye-opening, honest conversation and would love to have you part of that then. And until then, wishing you all the very best with your journey to expand your consciousness, embrace differences, be more inclusive. And as Jasmine is really pushing for a lead that happier life that's in alignment with your values, no matter what anyone else says. And that's it for now. Bye. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.